You're listening to episode 70 of the Comics Pals. We're a group of comic book journalists and friends who record a podcast together because we don't talk enough about comics in our daily lives. So I saw the Black Panther movie this weekend, and it feels like they got a few things wrong. Now, I know the movie starts and ends in California, but there's a scene where the Black Panther becomes friends with the CIA, and that just doesn't seem right. Why not? Well, the CIA and the Black Panthers never got along. (laughs) Oh. (laughs) The CIA was always trying to kill the Black Panther. (laughs) That's a true fact. I'm glad you spoke on that. So I think they took some artistic liberty here. (laughs) Dude, the movie's about unity. It's about moving forward. So should we move forward without Phil and break that unity? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That doesn't mean that our podcast is about unity. (laughs) I mean, sometimes the only way to move forward as a united front is to, you know, trim a little bit of the fat. What are you trying to say, Petey? (laughs) That you're the fat. It's pretty clear. (laughs) I'm the gristle on the steak, baby. Wait, which part of the steak is the gristle? The like marbly the part, right? Yeah, it, it's like I I think specifically gristle is when like the the fat gets like super like cooked and it's like kind of like crunchy and you get that like <sighs> you know the, like the grimy bits around the, the best part the pan and everything. Yeah. Yep. I'm yummy. Yeah, uh, <laughs> Who wants a steak? <laughs> I love steak. Steak is the best. Um, so happy to be here on another episode of the Comics Pals. Uh, huge, huge week, actually, yeah. uh, as far as news goes. Lots to talk about, and we're going to dive into all that uh, here in a little bit. But before we jump into everything, uh, I do want to do the plugs. Start off as we normally do. Uh, let you guys know where you can find us. We are on Apple Podcast Services, where we are a five-star rated podcast. You can continue that trend if you'd like to. Um by hitting us up with that five-star rating. We're also on SoundCloud and all other podcast hosting platforms. So check us out wherever you like to listen to your podcasts. Uh, we are also on social media, at The Comics Pals. So hit us up on there if you'd like. Uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, where we will read your mail if we like it, if it's good. Uh, it's not crappy. <laughs> You said that was such fatigue too. I love it. Like it. I am. I am fatigued. I am fatigued. Uh, and then uh, over on YouTube, where I have a huge, exciting announcement: we have finally passed 100 subscribers on our YouTube yeah. channel. We're very, very excited. Uh, if you contributed to that, a huge, huge thank you. Uh, we're very gracious. Um, and if you haven't yet subscribed change to that. us on YouTube, yeah, change, change that. Go over, and shoot over, and uh, now you can get that by going to youtube.com slash the comics pals. Whoa, yes, neat. We are, we are a Hot. real channel now. Hot yes. custom URLs, please, man. Pl- please subscribe so that way when uh, YouTube purges the bots, we have at least a base. In <laughs> <laughs> uh, in in addition, I also want to plug our next book club episode. Uh, this time around, we are doing Space Riders. Yes! That's from Black Mass Comics. Now, that's going to be releasing on the 2nd of March, if I have yep. it right, uh, which is a little less lead-in time than I wanted to give you guys. Marco's holding up the book, if you're watching this on YouTube. Uh, but 
it's uh, it's enough. So if you want to read it, if you want to check it out, you can find it. It's four issues long. We're just doing the first four issues, so not a ton of investment, and you've got about a week or so, right? Yeah, to, it's a nice uh, quick read. Yeah, to jump on that. So if you want to keep up with us for that next book club, uh, now's the time to start reading. So I want to kick off the show with a buy or sell for you guys. This one's hot off the presses, uh, and it's very topical. So, Black Panther just released, and uh, everybody here at the Comics Pals pretty much loved it. Uh, I would say the world over loved it. However, there is one movie that released last year that was loved almost equally, maybe even more so. And that movie is Logan. So, the buy or sell this week is which movie... Did you love more? And which oh. movie would you sacrifice oh. for the other to exist? So you got to buy or sell on Logan or Black Panther. Oh fuck! All right, I'm not gonna. That's hard. I'm not gonna make this dramatic. I'm gonna stay with Logan. So you're gonna buy on Logan? Yeah. You're gonna sell Black Panther. So Black Panther never, never exists. Never exists. Why? Uh, the noir, the noir version, uh, was very cinematically pleasing, and I like the direction a bit more and i'm just from that purely from that standpoint i i pick logan all right fair enough let go let phil go next i'm still thinking (laughs) 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 i'm gonna buy logan and sell black panther wow why because logan is a better movie (laughs) i think logan is the best movie of 2017 and like a top three like superhero based adaptation ever made, whereas Black Panther is like the maybe the best MCU movie, like definitely top three. Uh, it's Logan's a better movie. This is that simple, and I really like Black Panther. I really really enjoyed it. It's just not as good. Also, listeners, uh, the real reason is Phil lost his virginity that night. Did I? <laughs> The Night of Logan or Black Panther? The Night of Logan. Well, uh, uh, please elaborate on that thought. (laughs) I want to know more about this. Phil, uh, I thought you remember. I thought I had a special time. Um, (laughs) I think you think too highly of yourself, my man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, this is hard, man. This is like a real Sophie's Choice one. Like, I think I'm inclined to say Logan too, though. Rip the Band-Aid. I don't know. Like... I, I I guess I think the reason I lean more towards Logan is because I think if Logan never existed, the chances of getting a movie like Logan again are, like, slim none. And I'd like to think that, like, if Black Panther didn't exist, that there would be another um, film of this caliber that succeeded on the same level and in the same ways from Marvel eventually. Whereas, like, Logan, it was kind of like a culmination of, like, you know, what, almost 20 years of of Hugh Jackman playing the character, like, James Mangold finally getting to make this, you know, smaller movie with a, a, with a little more creative freedom. Like, I think the time of us seeing superhero movies like that is probably coming to a close uh, pretty quickly. And it's one of the only real examples we have of a movie like that. So, um I don't feel good about it, but I, yeah, I'll go with Logan. For me, the the big 
thing is Black Panther has a larger societal implication. Uh, Black Panther is more meaningful to, I think, more people. Whereas I think Logan is a better movie. Black Panther has has cultural ramifications, you know? This was a movie with an almost exclusively black cast um, where that made a real big like ripple effect in black communities. So I don't think it is as cut and dry as Mark and I were making it sound. And you still bought on Logan. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a monster. Uh, it was it was very shallow reasoning. It was like, oh, I like Logan more. <laughs> I liked it better. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's also like, you know, you say like you said cast. I think it's also important to point out that like it's not just the cast. Like it's like the the creative force behind the movie is black. Yeah, 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 you're right. So uh, I'm going to buy on Black Panther and sell on Logan. I think that both of them are, for me, top three superhero movies. Yeah. Uh, Dark Knight, Logan, and Black Panther. Uh, and Black Panther has more value overall to society, to, uh, I would I would say, to cinema. I would say to... Uh, superhero movies just because of the doors that it opens. Deadpool already existed before Logan, so the chances of something like that getting made are not slim. Uh, I agree. And, and that's the direction we're going, I guess, too, you know? Like, we have to break the, start breaking the mold, so I would, I, I sort of, when when Pete, when you brought that up, I was kind of like, I mean, the, these movies have to evolve anyway, and so yeah. I, I think we're going to see more of them down the line. Um, that was it. I don't know. Well, we know for a fact we're going to see more. Yeah, like movies like that. It's it's happening. And Deadpool's the one that opened those doors. Uh, Logan. I don't really think Logan's like Deadpool though. Like, doesn't matter. We're talking about low budget R-rated movies, and Deadpool opened that door. I mean, I wasn't saying that, but okay. Well, what are you what are you saying? Then? I I mean that like it's a superhero movie that's like heavier. Like it's yeah, it's R-rated, but like Logan to me was impactful because it was like more the tone was different, you know, like Deadpool, like is R rated, but it feels like an R rated superhero movie. Like Logan, isn't like a big budget romp. It's like a, or like even, you know, like, yeah, there, there's action to it, but I wouldn't even say that like, that's the primary like thing about it is that it's like an action movie. Like a lot of it, it's like, it's very inspired by like, you know, classic Westerns. And it's like a way, it's just a way more personal story than I think we get in a lot of superhero movies. Like even black Panther is like a super personal story because it's like a, a family dynamic thing. Um, but it's told out through a story about a country, you know, and like, and it's this very big stakes kind of thing. And like Logan being what it is, is a thing that like, there isn't really any other superhero movie like that. It, that's kind of stuff that's more relegated to like television. It's a it's a it's a it's a movie that feels like it feels like an Academy Award type film in a, like movies like Nebraska or Three Billboards in Missouri where it's a movie about like the American breadbasket and it just happens to have the context and backdrop of of comic book stuff and it, it works really well it works really intimately I think well I mean you know look we've reviewed Logan already. But I need to sell everyone on it. <laughs> the realities of like why Logan got made, despite what kind of movie it is, are clear, and that tells me that a movie like that could get made.
because it did. Right. And the idea that it could get made again or that it could get made under different circumstances with a different character maybe or something like that makes sense to me because of Fox, because of Deadpool, all that. Whereas mm-hmm. with with Black Panther, like I just don't think that – I don't think that you can put Logan being a better movie over what Black Panther actually accomplished uh, and how long it took to get this movie – when we already had the Dark Knight that people look at as, you know, the way people look at Logan now, people looked at the Dark Knight then. Um, oh, I, shit. You're yeah, right. I, I don't really feel like Logan. I mean, it's a special movie, but it's not like, you know, Black Panther was something special for a lot of people. You know what, man? I'm going to flip flop. I'm with you, Sean. Bye on Black Panther. Because I didn't think about the Dark Knight connection that like the Dark Knight existing. Yeah. The, yeah. No, I'm with you. There you go. This one was fucking hard, dude. <laughs> I, I like it. Uh, but buyer sells are fun for that reason. Um, and if you want to send yours into us or, or a random question of the week or whatever, of course, you can always do that. Uh, easiest way to do it is by sending it to us at the comicspals at gmail.com. So, uh, speaking of you guys writing into us, uh, we've got some mailbag for you for you guys uh you guys reach out to us on youtube more often than not um even though we say gmail is the way to get to us best uh you guys you, you know you do what you want and that's perfectly fine uh so we're gonna go ahead and turn it over to pete and a bunch of fucking people. mavericks out there man <laughs> just doing whatever they want all right so <clears throat> we've got uh, a couple comments here this week uh the first one comes from our pal James McMahon, who's a regular writer on the show. He writes in on episode sixty-nine. Yeah. All right. I'm glad you joined me on that one, Phil. <laughs> Always, <laughs> so, baby. Always. <laughs> James writes in and says, Bad trailers be driving me to cuss. Yeah, I have heard something about a sort of quote demonic possession slant within the Venom film, which is a great idea I'll have to give them, but the trailer just didn't showcase that either. The problem is that it either tries to have elements of a thriller, of horror, of an action film, a la Jason Bourne, as some have quipped, but showcases none of these elements particularly memorably. I certainly would enjoy the origin story of Venom being done in a sort of psycho-thriller possession style, but I hope it's done better than this trailer, which is just full of tired tropes. Listen, it's all right to be wrong, my dude. No, get out of here, Phil. Um, we had a great discussion on episode 69 about Venom because you weren't here. Uh, and James is on the right side of history. Um... We'll see how history plays out. I think I disagree. <laughs> you know what, man? The beauty of this movie is that no matter what happens, it'll be good content. Because if it's bad, I'll just rail on it for for an hour-long review. If it sucks, Phil's just going to rail on me for an hour-long review. So, <laughs> And I just might rail on Pete for an hour regardless. So, Yeah, I mean, you'll try. <laughs> uh, we've, we've talked this to death. Uh, you're probably right, at least about this trailer. We'll see how the movie goes. We have no idea based on this trailer what this movie's really going to be. And there's tons of rumors floating around as we discussed uh, in the last episode. So until we see a real trailer with Venom in it, we really don't know anything. Uh, and 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 Sean, and just to confirm, we we have to watch this, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, okay. we're watching it. We okay. All right. Okay. Yeah. No, I was just making sure. Okay. Cool. Yeah. No, we're watching all these trash piles. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So uh, on that same episode, our pal Harris, who's another regular writer on the show, wrote in and said, I was mistaken with my reign of super or I'm sorry. He's, this is about his reign of Superman comment from from that episode um, or from our previous episode. He said, I was mistaken with reign of Superman as a live action movie. It's actually a DC animated release. I was looking at overall release list recently as it doesn't specify animation as a separate entity. I like these highlights, though, makes it easier to catch up with a bad connection overseas. So, uh, yeah, first of all, um, I'm glad you're enjoying the highlights, Harris. Um, that's what they're here for. So uh, we're glad that you're you're taking us up on them. So for those who aren't familiar, just real quick, on YouTube, uh, we upload the show in chunks, like the best parts or most interesting parts of the show. We cut them up and put them on YouTube and then release them daily. And then on Fridays, we put out the whole shebang. So um, that's what Harris is referring to, and uh, I'm glad it's working for you. Uh, beyond that, the Reign of the Superman as a DC animated release, even then, I don't really care about it because I don't feel like they have done a lot with their uh, DC animated release offerings lately. They're not, they haven't been as good. They're super focused on Batman. Um, they're not very diverse, uh, it's basically the same characters over and over again, and I grew bored of that probably around the time of the Dark Knight Returns release, I think that was the last one I, I purchased, it might have been the last one I watched, I don't even know when that came out, so I'm over that stuff, yeah. Yeah, I'm in the same boat, it was actually around the same time I stopped paying attention to those two, and it's a shame because they were releasing some really high quality stuff, uh, the Batman Year One and the Dark Knight Returns two-parter were both really good, but uh, that was five years ago, I think, five or yeah. six years ago, um, I know they've released things since then, but like, I, I think that the Aquaman, Atlantis, of like, whatever, the Jeff Johns book, that, uh, Oh, Throne of Atlantis. That wasn't very good, uh, Flashpoint wasn't very good, uh, Oh, I did see that. I did see Flashpoint. It just lost me. Like, I thought the animation went down and the writing went down, so... Yeah. yeah. And the animation definitely has been on a down slope for years, I think. It's just strange because there was, like, a string for a long time where they were just killing it. You know, like, those those films were great. Um, like, Under the Red Hood is, like, phenomenal. It's you very know? good. Um, and it's, it's not the only one. Uh... But yeah, like for whatever reason, they've definitely just kind of been on a a downslope, which is a huge bummer. You're right. I, I'm thinking about it. Wonder Woman, uh, New Frontier, uh, the the Green Lantern ones. Uh, they were really killing it in like 2009, 2010. Yeah, I think like even up until like 2011 or 12. Like I forget what the last one I really enjoyed was, but I feel like there was. Um, I feel like that was like around the time that the Dark Knight Returns one came out. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're right. Because I, I remember that getting a big push on Netflix. Um, That's right, yeah. So, <laughs> I wish I was excited for this, but <laughs> I'm, I'm with you guys. I'm kind of moved on from these until, uh, until you know, they hit it again, I guess. Right. All right, so our last one is another comment from James, which came over on our Black Panther review. And uh, he wrote in to say, before I forget, I want to say I really like the way Sean explained Ross's role in the film. I think it was done fairly well, and I think at least when he wakes up there is a sense of wonder with Wakanda's tech and later the people's kindness. Shuri is just my favorite. If they did a movie focusing on her, I'd be in. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way about Shuri. Um, she really was one of the standout characters. The The thing that's so cool about this movie, though, is that there are, there are like several standout characters, and if you said that any one of them was your favorite, it wouldn't surprise me. Uh, yeah. 
And uh, as far as what I said about Ross, uh, I think was accurate. I think that uh, his character was necessary in the movie. He's gotten a lot of flack. But um, what his character represents is actually not uncommon at all. A lot of movies do that. Avatar did it. Um, I mean, any movie where you're being introduced to a world that's not typical, it always has a POV character. Ross was that in Black Panther, and he served a dual purpose because there was a lot of ammo to throw at him, and he was also like, this sounds weird, but he was like the white person's way in, you know? Yeah, he's um, like, um, he's like James, I think is the name of the character in The Great Gatsby. It's like he's like the normal, like average working guy who like, moves in down the street or whatever from Gatsby and, like, meets him and he's supposed to, like, or Nick. maybe his name's Nick. Nick. Nick, that's it. Um, and he's not the main character at all. The entire story is about Gatsby and, like, Nick's cousin or whatever and, like, you know, it's about all these rich people. Nick is the down-to-earth character that you're supposed to identify with, right? Of, like, oh, like, this world's foreign to me, but he's a guy like me, you know? And I feel like he he um, he serves a similar kind of role here of, like, he's the American, an important trope in sci-fi and fantasy media is to have the uh, POV character because you're introducing an audience to a very extravagant world. You need someone that is also perceiving it the same way you are as a viewer. Yeah. And that's what Ross is. Yeah. And I shouldn't just say, I shouldn't say uh, just a white person's way and just like everybody's way in because Wakanda is weird to everybody, um, even though it does pull a lot from traditional African rituals and different things like that, dress, everything else. It's still like, I'm, I'm, I'm not from Africa, so I don't understand that immediately, you know? Uh, right. So it's, you know, it's for everybody. Yeah. It's like you're, you're, yeah. Like even if you're non-white, like your POV in Wakanda is still probably more similar to his than anybody else's. Cause like they all think this is normal. Like he's the only one who's like, holy shit, look at this train, you know, like, <laughs> um, since we're talking about Black Panther, there's and I wasn't on the show last week, there's one scene I wanted to bring up because I'm not sure if you guys talked about it and I really wanted to uh, emphasize how good this scene was, if that's cool. So the scene where Michael B. Jordan's character goes into the spirit plane, he talks to his father as a boy, which symbolizes him having to grow up too soon because his dad says, no tears for me, and he just says, well, everyone dies. But then when you see him next... You see Michael B. Jordan's crying because he's still a boy at heart. Like, that fucking symbolism was so good. <laughs> yeah, man. I wish you had been here last week to say that because I didn't. I didn't. And um, you're totally right. That was a huge scene that I think probably went under the radar in general. Yeah. And I, that's why I wanted to bring that specific scene up because I'm sure we didn't really talk about it. And I just want to underscore how well done that scene was. Uh, so thank you guys for writing in. We appreciate it. As always, uh, James and Harris definitely uh, always reach out to us. And uh, if you want to join that and be one of the people who we highlight on the show every week, of course, you can write to us in all the aforementioned ways they chose to do so on YouTube. You're more than welcome to do that as well. But if you don't want to, I'll say it one more time. You can write to us at comicspals at gmail.com. So uh, with that, we'll jump into some pals pulls. Uh, and we will start with Phil, who highlighted Terrific's number one. I like when the big two try to make new characters. Um, and this is a really good creative tandem. Jeff Lemire and Ivan Reese. Uh, 
the the whole concept of the terrifics I've been intrigued by. Um, I'm not super fond of um, Jeff Lemire on team books, but I'm really curious to see how this turns out. And I hope it's good because I like when they're able to take their nearly century-old pantheon and diversify and add to it with something outside of legacy characters. Yeah, um, I feel you on that. Unfortunately, the DC uh, New Age of Heroes line of books that have recently come out haven't been, they haven't lit the world on fire. They haven't been anything particularly special, but you're right. This is a creative team that's like phenomenal. So I'm looking forward to it as well. I'm trying to be open-minded to it at least, you know? Yeah, and 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 Phil, the uh, I don't know if you read any of uh, Lemire's recent stuff because I, I um, like the the team dynamic. I, I I get what you mean. He he doesn't handle them super well. Um, but in in recent years, like some of the books that he has, like he he has to juggle multiple characters. He's gotten better with that. Um, so I, I hopefully like this is another step where he gets to showcase like he's he's grown a bit as a writer. They have it, folks. Marco told you. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Marco and Pete both highlighted Saga Forty Nine. Saga, uh, it's Saga. It is Brian K. Vaughan and Fiona Staples. It is one of the best books being published right now. You should be reading it. That's Wait, it. This isn't the book about the blue hedgehog and his red echidna friend. Oh, close. That's actually uh, oh. uh, what Saga. See, yeah. Oh, is that Sega it? the Hedgehog, right? Yeah, Sega the Hedgehog. Yes, <laughs> yeah. of course. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh. Right. It's just like what. What. What more can we say about Saga? It's like it's. It's been one of the best books being published for several years. Like, jump on the train if you haven't, and if you've lapsed, now's a good time to catch up. What more can you say, Pete? I love it a lot, and uh, it has a lot to say about love and family dynamics and uh, war, and it's, it's it's good. It's good literature. <laughs> War. What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Content and books. And then uh, you also chose Void Trip number four. I did. Um, yeah, so Void Trip is a book we've uh, talked about a few times on the show. Um, it's uh, done by uh, friends of the show, pals of the show, Ryan O'Sullivan and Plaid Klaus, who we had on back in November sometime. I don't remember what number it is, but we did a great interview with them about the book. Um, it was one of my favorite books of 2017. Uh, I am an issue behind right now, so I'm excited to have two to get through. But um, yeah, i uh very much looking forward to it. It's coming close to an end. The next issue is the last one. I'm pretty sure it's it's only five issues, So, um, which yeah. is pretty standard for an image uh, arc. But this is like it. They're not coming back for a second arc. So um, very excited to see what this looks like when it's done, you know, when it's one piece. Unfortunately, I haven't been blown away. Uh, I haven't really. I, did I, you read two and three? Yeah. I I didn't like the second or third. Uh, I thought the first was really good. And then it kind of just stalled. And then things get weird, which makes sense because it's Void Trip. But like <laughs> yeah, they get weird, a weird in book. a way that's not that's not you can't not really, working for you. Yeah. Mm. Uh, but hopefully they stick the landing. We'll see. Yeah, I mean, we got two more, so. Ooh. Oh, sorry. I just wanted to jump in. If you guys want to watch that one, it was episode 49 back in October. There you go. Great. It's funny. I was thinking 49. Don't know why. Good guess. Uh, huh. I was thinking 69. <laughs> hey. <laughs> yeah. You guys are gross. Uh, so, 
Uh, and then for me, I chose Abbott number two. Uh, the first issue of this was absolutely stellar. Um, I, basically, it's a book about a woman who is a reporter uh, in Detroit in like the 70s. Um, and it's by Saladin Ahmed, who if you... Oh. Yeah. Uh, he's a name who's really popping off right now. Yeah. Um, and uh, they're, basically, they're, she's this reporter. She's a black reporter in Detroit. And there's some paranormal stuff going on that mostly affects her. Um, she has some history with it. I won't spoil anything too much. But um, it's a really, really, really well-written book. Um, the artist phenomenal, Sammy Cavella. Um and uh, it's just, I recommend it to anybody, honestly. It's one of the most unique books that I'm currently reading. And that's only after one issue that I feel that way. So uh, I'm really looking forward to the second one. That sounds awesome. Yeah. Uh, what was it called again? Abbott. By who? Saladin Ahmed and uh, Sami Cavella. Sorry, uh, published, published by who? Oh, uh, Image. Oh, okay, I cool. Think that, that could be wrong, actually. Uh, I'll I'll look it up momentarily and let you guys know. But yeah, that sounds, that sounds really awesome, cool. Though. Yeah, it's awesome uh, to pick that one up. It's Boom Studios, by the way. Oh, oh Boom! Nice. Okay, cool. Okay, yeah. nice. Yeah. Uh, so that's gonna do it boom. for the yeah. They're they're popping off right now. Uh, it's gonna do it for the Pals pulls this week, and we'll jump right into the news where there's a lot to talk about. Uh, but everyone is still super excited about Black Panther. And so that's how we're going to start it off, because there's still a lot to say about this phenomenal movie, including how it is doing in the box office. Uh, so now a week removed from its release, we've got numbers for how it's doing. Uh, and on Thursday, Black Panther passed the $500 million global mark. Nice. God damn. Yep. Uh, which is... Absolutely incredible. Uh, so congratulations. Hats off to the cast and crew behind that flick. Um, it actually outdid the Avengers mm -hmm. uh, for uh, a Wednesday, um, which is pretty interesting. Uh, the best Wednesday ever at $14 million, where the Avengers took in $13 million. God damn, uh, dude. Yeah. Yep. So Black Panther is a juggernaut. King of Wakanda is the king of... Of the box office. Uh, another interesting thing to note is that this makes Disney already a billion dollars at the box office this year. My God, which is that's incredible. insane. We are it's it is February. Like <laughs> we are we are not even through the first quarter yet. That's incredible. Days. That's an incredible days. amount of money. Yeah. So, uh, and also, Black Panther has an A plus score on Cinema Score from audiences, which is a perfect movie. I just can't. I'm sorry. I'm still stuck on that number. It's just like, yo, fuck you, Sony. <laughs> Wait, why go check, Sony? Because go check out last week's episode where we talked uh, right, about right, how right, Sony right. could have owned or at the very least stopped this fucking competition from happening. I bet. I bet that dude is kicking himself. <laughs> No one gives a shit about anyone but Spider-Man. Uh, Ryan Coogler was taken aback by all the responses that that they've been getting for this film. 
and he posted a heartfelt um, thank you letter that uh, Marvel hosted on their Instagram. And so he said, I am struggling to find words to express my gratitude at this moment, but I will try. Filmmaking is a team sport, and our team was made up of amazing people from all over the world who believed in this story. Deep down, we all hoped that people would come to see a film about a fictional country on the continent of Africa made up of a cast of people of African descent. Never in a million years did we imagine that you all would come out this strong. It still humbles me to think that people care enough to spend their money and time watching our film. But to see people of all backgrounds wearing clothing that celebrates their heritage, taking pictures next to our posters with their friends and family, and sometimes dancing in the lobbies of theaters often moved me and my wife to tears. For the people who bought out theaters, who posted on social about the film, about how lit the film would be, bragged about our awesome cast, picked out outfits to wear, and who stood in line in theaters all over the world, all before even seeing the film, to the press who wrote about the film for folks who hadn't seen it yet and encouraged audiences to come out, and to the young ones who came out with their parents, with their mentors, and with their friends, thank you for giving our team of filmmakers the greatest gift, the opportunity to share this film that we poured our hearts and souls into with you. Sincerely, Ryan Coogler, P.S. Wakanda Forever. So just that gave me goosebumps, man. Yeah, very nice letter from a phenomenal director. Well, and you know that's just like that's just got to be such a rewarding moment for him, you know, to to like have achieved this thing in the first place, and then for it to be so um, beloved by people like literally all around the world um, is just like yeah, God bless him, man. That's that's awesome. Yeah. Congratulations, Phil. It looked like you had something to say right there. No, just no. moving. Okay. I'm just I'm making movements. It's it's a uh, it's good that this movie's getting the positive publicity and attention that it deserves. Uh, we talked on our review of Black Panther about how we felt like there could have been more to the movie, and as it turns out, the original cut of Black Panther was four hours long. Yes. I saw this. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me? That's insane!" Yo, that's getting released, right? <laughs> Probably not. Oh. Yeah, like Marvel doesn't do that for some reason. Because they're monsters. I don't get it. Like, put it on a Blu-ray. I'd fucking buy it. I'll watch a four-hour cut of that fucking movie. Like, Who wouldn't? Let's do it. So Ludwig Göransson uh, was the film's composer, and he talked to the Hollywood Reporter about this fact. Uh, he said, "I remember the first director's cut was four hours long." But I already had a lot of material written and recorded. So I actually scored the four-hour cut of the film, which is really great. (laughs) That's fucking baller. Dude, if it's scored, put it out. That means it's done. (laughs) Like, you have the whole thing. There's no work that – just give me it. I want to watch it. Yeah, I mean, I don't see them. I don't see any scenario where they put this out. Um, Four hours is a long time. Uh, and I'm sure that that would include some level of like having to do special effects and things like that, putting more money into complete those yeah, scenes. Yeah, that's true. Some of the that, scenes are probably not finished. And given that Blu-ray is not what it used to be in terms of sales, I just don't see them really caring enough to do this. But uh, it's cool to know that somewhere out there, there is a much longer version of this movie where you get more of everything that you like. I'd pay for it. Like... Give us a box set. Like, whatever, like, whatever. Like, give us, like, a special, 
edition of it. Like, make it more expensive if you need to. Like, just put it out. I want to see it. Do you think all the Bobby Seal scenes were left on the cutting room floor? <laughs> do you mean... <laughs> In Fred Hampton, maybe? Bobby maybe. Rush? Maybe. Wait, are those guys wrestlers? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They, sh- they sure are, Pete. They sure are. So, Marvel... Uh, oh, God. Spike Jones is the Black Panther. <laughs> I'm so lost. You, you you shouldn't be, man. Read a book, Marco. Yeah, you also shouldn't be. <laughs> Why? Why? Yeah. Read a book. Mm, all right. Listen, I don't have the time or the energy <laughs> to Take explain. a fucking history class. It's not Sean's job to explain American history to you, Marco. We're here to talk about comic books. This is in the history pals. Now, uh, Marvel has teamed with Lawrence Fishburne to bring Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur to Disney as an animated series. Uh, I think this is super cool. Um, Lawrence Fishburne has a development deal with Disney. He did Blackish uh, with them. So this is part of that whole thing. Um, is Blackish on ABC then? I guess. Yeah, it is. Okay. Uh, and and they're also he also executive produces Grownish, which is a spinoff of Blackish. Oh, okay. So this is the third series in his development deal. Um, for those of you who are unfamiliar, Moon Girl and Devil Dinosaur is a comic book series, um, and she's just a nine year old genius who teams up with and her name uh, her name <laughs> is Lunella Lafayette. She's an African-American girl. She's also an, an inhuman. Uh, she gets a dinosaur for a partner, and they team up to save the world, basically. So awesome. <laughs> yeah. Tell me that doesn't sound like the perfect pitch for a fucking cartoon. <laughs> <laughs> Who um, the... I remember the book making like a lot of a lot of news. It was supposed to be like really good. Uh, do you remember who was on it at all? Oof, no, I don't. Uh, I just remember it getting canceled. <laughs> yeah, I can probably find out. But uh, yeah, no, it was a book that was really celebrated. Um, but it just you know didn't really strike the audience that uh, I guess they probably would have wanted. Yeah, are you positive it got canceled? Yeah, it did. Yeah, they wrapped it. Uh, Amy Reader and Brandon Montclair, by the way. Oh, oh, Amy Reader. Oh, okay, cool. She's um, she did Rocket Girl for Image. Right, right, right. And they're like a tandem, aren't they? Reader yeah, we we all oh, we met them at uh, FlameCon. Right, right. Yeah. So the the question on everybody's mind is sort of who's gonna play or voice uh, Moon Girl here, and uh, I don't really know. I can't think of anybody, honestly, but I just feel like this would be such a cool uh, show to have on one of Disney's channels, whether it's Disney XD or, you know, all the different channels they have for kids. Disney Disney Channel, I guess. Um, I don't even know if they play cartoons on Disney Channel anymore. Yeah, I think it's all on Disney XD. Yeah. that's at least, I think it's because it's an action series. It would probably end up on Disney XD. Like, I think that's where they aired, like, Ultimate Spider-Man and um, and their Avengers show. So, it, it will probably land there unless it's, like, maybe being made for, like, a streaming service or something. But, you know. Who should voice the moon girl? Hmm. Oh, uh, Ron Perlman. 
<laughs> Ron Perlman should be Devil Dinosaur, though. That Ron would be Perlman sick. and Brock Lesnar. What would that sound like? Oh, Jesus. Um, um, <laughs> hey, Devil Dinosaur. I can't do a Ron Perlman for the fucking life of me. <laughs> like, all, I, all I can think of in Ron Perl- Perlman's voice is him reading that one line that's in every Fallout game. He's like, war. War never changes. So he's like, dinosaurs. Dinosaurs never change. <laughs> <laughs> hey, dinosaur, you want some moon pie? <laughs> that sounds gross. Yeah, well, that was creepy. <laughs> I don't know. I don't fucking know. Oh, my uh, God. So I don't, I don't really have any ideas for who I'd like to see voice Moon Girl. Um, one thing I think would be cool would be if they uh, went the, like, kind of – and I know this is, these aren't the only shows that have done it, but they're the two most famous examples, um, at least in recent memory, of, like, the Steven Universe, um, like, Adventure Time route of, like, let's get, like, an actual, like, kid to voice the character instead of an adult. Um, that's the thing I really appreciate, especially because then they can kind of, like, play with the character's age and stuff like that. Like, it, I, I, I like that idea. So I think, I don't know how old Moon Girl is supposed to be, but getting, like, a you know, 12 or 13 year old actress or something like that to voice her, I think would be really cool. I think, she, I yeah. think she's like 35. She's not 35. She's <laughs> nine. She's nine? nine okay. Old, yeah. Oh, right. You said that. You said she's nine. Okay. Yeah. So I, I feel like that's the way I'd like to see them go. I don't know like a lot of young uh, actors though. So. Well, the article uh, that uh, I was reading from suggests that you could actually get uh, the girl who one of the actresses from Blackish, one of the younger. The okay, oh, I thought, the I young thought that it was actually confirmed. I didn't bring it up because I figured if it was in that article that you would have brought it up, and I thought maybe that was just people throwing that around. But isn't she in Grownish too? Donna, I feel I feel like this actress is in both of those shows. So obviously, her and Fishburn have a, a good working relationship, and she's already been working with Disney, so that could work. Yeah, and the article from shadowandact.com uh, suggests that a few years back, she actually, the, the actress's name is uh, Marseille Martin, actually expressed interest in playing the character. So Cool. All right. Well, I mean, that seems like, seems like a slam dunk then. Very well may be. Uh, so let's, let's move on to the comic space real quick. Okay. Uh, because Marvel has a huge announcement. Are you guys ready for this? It's mind-blowing. You'll never guess what I'm about to say. Hit me. Marvel <laughs> is relaunching their line of comics. No, they would never do that. They would never know. You're lying. Oh, look, You're this lying. is me. I'm, I'm cl- audio listeners, I'm clutching my pearls. <laughs> Get the fuck out of here, Marvel. Phil. <laughs> Phil looks like he just like sucked on a lemon. <laughs> He really does. <laughs> Clutching my pearls. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> so, in an announcement that no one could have possibly seen coming, Marvel uh, released a video on their YouTube page, which promises new beginnings, new directions, new series, new creative teams... And much more. Uh, so it features uh, C.B. Sabolsky, who is now their editor-in-chief, and Joe Casada, everybody's favorite, um, talking about 
some of the loose info regarding this fresh start, uh, which seems to be the... I'm not sure if it's exactly the branding name that they're going with, but that's the word or phrase that's been plastered everywhere. Fresh start. Fresh start, which is a horrible, horrible name for whatever this is. Um, And so they, you know, they, they, they just kind of talk about how fantastic it is. Sobolski says, I've never seen more enthusiasm and more excitement for where Marvel is going this year, which is interesting. Uh, He said that the last time they were, this excited was during the Marvel Now relaunch. Um, and it's the biggest relaunch that they've done since the Marvel Now relaunch. Uh, which is interesting because Marvel Now was only in 2012, which was six years ago. And <laughs> they've relaunched their universe every couple of years since then. Yeah, uh, I was going to say, even, isn't this the third time since Marvel Now? Yeah, that's not even an exaggeration. So Yeah. Uh, well, the one thing I can say that's a super positive is we did get uh, some really nice art by Jim Chung uh, that includes, you know, some of the biggest heavy hitters in Marvel's world, uh, including Jean Grey, which I'm very, very happy about. Uh, the fresh start begins in May, and it's the second relaunch in eight months, which is probably why I am so cynical and kind of upset about this because they just did Marvel Legacy. That just happened. Uh, But that's not all. Because everyone's been asking, well, wait, what's going to happen because you just went back to the Legacy numbering? Avengers is nearing uh, number 700. Um, Captain America just went back to its old numbering. Uh, And so there's been a lot of confusion about that. (laughs) <laughs> and so Tom Prevort uh, went ahead and did an interview where he said the following. Over the next couple of weeks, we'll be rolling out new beginnings for a few of our key franchises. New creative teams, new starting points, new storylines. All the big stuff that we've been building towards since Marvel Legacy began. This isn't a clearing of the slate. While these new starts <laughs> these new starts will kick off with new number ones, we'll be maintaining the classic Legacy issue counts as dual numbering on these titles as well. What? That's a lot of math. So some of these issues... Fucking why? ...will have whatever their legacy numbering is in addition to number one and on. That's dumb. Marvel, what the fuck? They're good at their jobs. No, they're (laughs) not. I'm sorry. Have your cake and eat it too is not a legitimate business strategy. This is fucking ridiculous. That sounds like you're jealous. <laughs> he wants cake and wants to eat it too. Mm-hmm. And he just can't like they can. <laughs> God damn, dude. This is just so, so silly. Like, why? Who thought this was a good idea? Yeah, from, I mean, like, from a business perspective, this is just confusing. This is not going to be productive in any way. I mean, it's, uh, it's trying to maintain, I guess, the legacy for older readers and then try to draw in new readers with the number one. Yeah, but they want a is, dead cat bounce. But this isn't a move. This isn't a move to do that. If you're going to relaunch, commit. But if also, or otherwise don't. Like, what's what, what's the, the point of just saying there's a new arc starting versus everything's going to be new. Everything's going to be a fresh start. Like, th- there's, there's larger implications and this is a bad business decision and it's going to be, it's, 
it, it's already been executed poorly. Like, I don't see why they couldn't just keep, the, like, if you're going to keep the legacy numbering, keep the legacy numbering. Right. And just fucking throw an ad on the book. You know? All new direction, fresh start. Like, that's it. That's a, that's fine. Like, that's normal. And, like, you could send the same message, use the logo or branding or whatever they do, like they did with Marvel now, and and don't restart the numberings. Or if you're going to, just do it. Just call it a new volume and fucking get over it. You know, like... I have mixed feelings about this. So, I really like legacy numbering. Uh, same. Which is I don't. probably silly. I mean, it, it's irrelevant, right? Like, it doesn't matter what number's on the book. Um, but I like it anyway. It gives and, it a history. Yeah. And... Uh, Fucking at casual. Same, at the same time, though, I've rarely started a book that didn't have a number one on it, mm. uh, especially when I was coming up. Now, I'm, I am i don't care as much, and uh, if I know it's a new arc, I'll jump in, but when I was starting to read comics, if it didn't have a number one on it, I was I'm very unlikely to buy it. Um, so that being said, this is a way to cater to both those kinds of people. And the number one lets you know that it's a new volume. So that's that's kind of nice for f- fans who don't know any better or don't keep up with stuff like that, aren't going to go on like Wikipedia to, to find that stuff out. Uh, the problem for me really is more to do with the fact that Marvel Legacy literally just happened. That's my bigger issue, is that you sold us on a relaunch and then now you're trying to sell us on another relaunch. How many relaunches can you really have? Also, I feel like Marvel Legacy like, like a challenge. <laughs> I, I just like wasn't Marvel Legacy like you said it was literally like eight months ago? It was in September. Yeah, like less. it's yeah, like less six, six it had, months. Like, five? have we even really seen what that means? Like, yeah, you did a couple books, but like, that's like not. That's like. That's like maybe one arc. Yeah. You know, like, like what the hell? <laughs> so part of the reason why this is happening is definitely that CB Sabolsky is in charge now. Right. Uh, yeah. New editor in chief, new direction. That makes sense to me. The timing is just extremely bad. And especially when you consider the fact that it really felt like Marvel legacy was aping, um, DC Rebirth, it felt like, okay, so we're going to cash in on what worked over there, and then now we're going to pivot over to something else, and it's just even, it's just hard to keep up with all this crap. Um, What I will say, though, is that now we've got, um, and this was announced via IGN, Avengers will be written by Jason Aaron and drawn by Anne McGinnis. That's really, really cool, Uh, so I'm looking forward to that, and then also Donny Cates is going to be writing Venom. So that's also really cool. Uh, but uh, yeah, any any closing thoughts about this? Um, I kind of I'm gonna go on a lark here and say maybe Marvel should consider doing a relaunch every three weeks. Just an idea. Uh, from the trajectory that Marvel's been going, um, Phil was joking, but like I honestly expect another relaunch. I don't know, eight months. I'm going to give it eight months and then they might do something crazy. So we'll, we'll see, right? Yeah. Like jury's out on how this is actually going to go. I think the 
point that Sean made about C.B. Sobolski is a really salient one. Like, this is a new direction. It's a new world order. And I don't blame him for wanting to try to right the ship, right? Like, that's what he was brought on to do, was to lead Marvel. And him enacting his vision, um, I mean, ideally should be a good thing, right? Like, that's why he was brought on to be VEIC. So hopefully he's got a vision that works for the creators, that resonates with readers, and and puts Marvel back on the appropriate path. And if this messy, poorly handled relaunch is the first step towards that, that's really all that matters. You know, like, we can make fun of this event all we want, but if Marvel gets back to a good place because of it, it doesn't really matter. And, like, the joke will be the joke, but the proof will be in the pudding. So... How do I feel about this news? Badly. I think it, it is a marketing mess. I don't think this was the right way to handle it. It is too soon, um, or too close, rather, to, to Marvel Rebirth. And I will say, like, it doesn't instill a lot of confidence in me that I feel like every six months or every eight months or whatever it is that we're talking about Marvel struggling and trying to change gears again. I don't. And I haven't for a long time gotten the impression that they have a vision for where the company's supposed to go. And if they do have one, they're really, really, really ready to just drop it if they feel like something's not working. And I don't feel like they're committed to the vision that they have. So I'm hoping that this new blood, this new direction will be that, will be a step forward in a new right direction with ideally C.B. Sobolski, you know, um, steering the ship in in the way it needs to go. If they need someone who has vision, Marvel <laughs> can call Wesley who will get a hold of me. <laughs> uh, I do want to say that Marvel's relaunches are a part of their vision. Um, and that's so this one to me is more about C.B. Sibolsky. Uh And I'm upset about the timing. But they deliberately do this, right? Like, they want to have new number ones. They want to have something that appears fresh to sell readers on. That's yeah. a that's a goal of theirs. And they feel like anytime they can hook people with that fresh number one, maybe that's a new reader that will follow Spider-Man for however long. The problem is that Black Panther, right, went from issue number 18 in September to like 600 or something like that in October. That's <laughs> super weird. And yeah. if you are a casual reader and you don't understand stuff like that, then when that happens, it makes zero sense. Absolutely none. And it's hard to follow that. Um, and it was it was one hundred and it, Black Panther went to one hundred and sixty six, not six hundred. But the point is that's an astronomical number for anybody who started with Black Panther number one and followed it to eighteen, and then the next issue jumps you know over a hundred numbers. It's crazy. Um, so we'll see though. We'll see. Yeah, I, I will say I am like I'm hopeful. Like, I, I want to be cautiously optimistic here. You know, like, I, there's a lot here to point fingers and sneer at, but I am hopeful that that Marvel will turn things around because, um, you know, I 
I I want to to cheer for Marvel again. You know, like Marvel's the company that like I have the most um I have the most like affinity for their characters. You know, so I want to see them succeed. I want to see them be putting out books that I am um driven to pick up. Funny. So I don't think you're ever going to get your dream tandem on Spider-Man though, which is, you know, Dan Slott and Joe Quesada on art. I just don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, so um, no selling Phil for a moment. Um, <laughs> real talk. I was talking with friend of the show, uh, Mark Bouchard, about about this exact thing yesterday. And he said that he's like, man, I really hope that Otley comes from Invincible to pick up Spider-Man. And if that happened, mm-hmm. goddamn, yeah. goddamn, I'd be it's, a happy boy. It's probably going to be Nick Spencer and Ryan Otley on Spider-Man. Man, Whoa. like... I can I can fuck with that. Yeah, yeah. I can the really box fuck boys with that. Are, the long box boys are talking about that stuff too. Like more than likely, at least hopping off and jumping onto that stuff. Uh, yeah, I mean he's got to go somewhere, right? It's just a matter yeah. of of if it's you know Marvel or DC. So, but uh, Spider Man would be awesome. That would be huge. <laughs> if he goes to DC, uh, Pete, what uh, what character would you want him on? Hmm. Um, my gut reaction is to say Superman. And, like, I, not that there's necessarily a place for him on that book right now, because, like, we kind of know what the future looks like for Superman for a little bit. But um, I think I, I want someone that's, like, more, um, like, that's palette is bright, you know? Like, I think, like, a, a Superman or even Wonder Woman, um, uh, you know, again, like, Spider-Man, like, those are the kind of characters I think would do best with his art style versus, like, somebody like Batman, you know, like he he definitely has like a more kind of like I don't know, like kind of like classical bombastic kind of of superhero style when he goes for that that vibe. Um, not that he can't do something that's visceral and gross because Invincible certainly goes there, but I think I'd I'd rather see him do something like that. Cool. All right, so uh, moving over to the DC film world, uh, we've got a bombshell. Joss Whedon has exited stage left from Batgirl. He will not direct the upcoming Batgirl film. He will not direct it. He will not write it. He will not be involved. Uh, That's a huge shocker, considering the fact that he was so gung-ho, and this was such a big announcement. Um, But uh, he's stepping down. And his reasons, they might be valid. So this is what he had to say. Batgirl is such an exciting project, and Warner's DC such co- Warner's DC such collaborative and supportive partners that it took me months to realize I really didn't have a story. <laughs> I'm grateful to Jeff Johns uh, and Toby Emmerich and everyone who was so welcoming when I arrived and so understanding when I uh, is there a sexier word for failed. Uh, so that's what he had to say. Um, <laughs> it's, it's funny, like, good on him, right? Like, it's good for him to make that decision rather than continue down that path. But it is funny to hear someone be like, oh, yo, Joss Whedon's making this Batgirl movie. And then it's like, he left because he just like, ah, I don't really have anything. I don't really think I have this movie in me. <laughs> it's like, all right. It's it's weird because when this was announced, I had a feeling this movie wasn't gonna get made. 
I had a I had a feeling like it just didn't sound like it sounded like one of those things that production hell. You know what I mean? Pre production yeah, hell. Yeah. I had a feeling this wasn't going to happen. Uh, I can't. I, why though? Like what? What gave you that? It's just out of. It was kind of out of left field. Joss Whedon and Batgirl. You know what I mean? Like I just had a, like the Black and Silver movie with Sony. It's another one. I have a feeling like. It, I feel like it won't happen. I don't know. Well, this one to me makes sense because Joss Whedon, obviously creator of Buffy, obviously, you know, one of the bigger fans of like Kitty Pride and Batgirl. He's gone on and on about his love for these characters that it makes sense to me that he would get attached to a project like this. And um, I could see him telling a good story there. Um, The fact that he couldn't figure out the story sounds like half the truth of this the other half of the truth of this lies in wonder woman and black panther uh so what i mean by that is wonder woman was directed by a woman black panther was directed by a black man also written by black men uh i don't know if in 2018 or whenever this movie is going to come out 2019 2020 i don't know if joss whedon's batgirl gets the kind of press that warner would want for this movie because joss whedon's a guy uh and i think that there's a real possibility his stock's also kind of taken a plummet in this you know there was a lot of controversy around him this year like not that that necessarily like devalues him as a creator but I'm sure that that, like, doesn't help the narrative that you're talking about, right? Of, like, why isn't this being made by a woman? And it's like, oh, well, it's being made by Joss Whedon, who's this, like, you know, quote-unquote feminist filmmaker. And, like, I feel like a lot of people are kind of pushing back on that narrative. You know, we talked about it on the show, you know, last year. Um, so I wonder if that had anything to do with it overall, you know, that, like, it, you're that you're probably right. That, like, maybe there is somebody who's, like, going to be, like, a better fit for it. Yeah, so uh, he was going to do her like an, an amalgamation of her origin story uh, plus some Batgirl from Burnside stuff. Uh, that's what the reports are uh, coming from Variety. That's fine. It doesn't make really any sense in conjunction with the where the DC universe is now, the film universe. Uh, but you know, whatever. Uh, rumor has it, though, that Warner Brothers wants to now hire a female filmmaker uh, for this for this movie. Um, again, I just I just don't see a scenario where Joss Whedon's Batgirl is well received uh, from the same people who were so happy that the movies that I mentioned earlier were made by the appropriate people. And Variety uh, says that the decision for Whedon to depart was a mutual one and reflects the studio's desire to seek more female directors, particularly on projects centered on female characters. I think that makes sense. You know, like, if he didn't have a strong vision for it and, you know, like, yeah, like, that seems like the right way to go, right? And I... You know, I think um, I don't I don't think it's like a hard, fast rule 
right? That like from now on, you know, you can only have female uh, characters or female superheroes directed by women. But when there are so few jobs for women in Hollywood, uh, especially for big budget pictures like this, why not take that approach at least for a while, right? Like let females tell female stories. Like I worked for Wonder Woman, you know, like I, I feel like that seems like a no brainer, right? Like who can tell a female perspective better than a woman? So that actually opens up another question, which is given that fact, does Gotham city sirens still get made? The movie centered around Harley Quinn and poison Ivy, like, that movie is is all women, but the director is David. David Ayer. Yeah. So how does that it. get made? I don't see it. I don't think so either. I've been of the opinion that that movie wasn't happening for a lot. Like in the same way that you had that gut feeling about uh, Batgirl, I feel that way about all, literally every single one of the spinoffs about Harley Quinn. I think one of them gets made. But the fact that they're like, we're going to make a Harley movie. We're going to make a Harley and Joker movie. We're going to make Gotham City Sirens. And I th- I think one of those got canned. But either way, those three movies aren't coming out. And I think like literally no one needs David Ayer's fucking bad hot topic movie where we see the, the Gotham City Sirens like make out or something. And like that's the vibe I expect from that movie is – you know, 13-year-old hot topic aesthetic slapped on these characters. It's like, that's what we got with Suicide Squad. And I feel like it would only be worse. And I don't I don't trust him or that direction to have these characters presented in a good way or in a way that resonates with um, anybody, let alone women. So I, I don't think that movie gets made. And I think if it does get made, it won't be by David Ayer. Maybe that's wishful thinking, but... <laughs> I'm inclined to agree. Yeah, valid. Uh, and then the only other thing that I wanted to note on this is that Roxanne Gay, who is uh, a comic book writer who wrote World of Wakanda, the Black Panther spinoff series okay. that a lot of people yeah. were into, uh, she actually tweeted at DC Comics and said, hey, at DC Comics, I can write your Batgirl movie, no prob. DC Comics responded uh, so Michelle Wells, the v- a VP for DC Comics and Warner Brothers, responded, if you're serious, contact me and gave her email address. Yo. All right. Nice. We here. Let's do it. <laughs> so that that's really cool. Um, a bright note to end that on. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, like here's hoping, right? I, th- I think a background movie would be awesome. So I hope we can get the right team together for this one. And uh, let's see what happens. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so this is early, but screenings for Aquaman are reportedly scoring very, very positive reactions. Uh, now, now this is interesting because Aquaman is one of those movies that's kind of fallen under the radar in the sense that the production of it, it's been, you know, fine. Like there haven't been as many of the kind of problems that we've had, um, mentioned regarding, you know, like Flash and and how many directors that movie's run through, all the issues we've heard about with Justice <laughs> run, League. Run through? <laughs> oh, jeez, that wasn't even intentional. <laughs> I'll, I'll put something in there, don't worry. <laughs> um, but Batman 
Dashnews.com is reporting that Warner Brothers had an early test screening of Aquaman that yielded very positive reactions from several people in attendance. Do you guys think that Aquaman will continue continue the tread of Wonder Woman and actually be like a really great movie? Or is it like is there any chance that this movie is is as good as Wonder Woman or even just not trash like yeah not as bad as the rest of the dcu well do you think the other members of the shield are in it uh no i don't know man like i don't think he can carry them i think he needs seth rollins and dean ambrose to help him out he's referring to the fact that jason momoa looks like roman reigns Yes, WWE that is a wrestling joke for all you non-wrestling listeners, which is probably 90% of you. Thanks for that one, Phil. So, uh, <laughs> I, I didn't um, understand. You know, Sean, I didn't, but hearing this, I think I do now. Because this is how I felt about Wonder Woman, right? Like, I was like, why is no one talking about this? Why haven't we heard anything about it? It's been so quiet. Like, if this was movie was even any good, don't you think they'd be banging the drum to prove that it's good? Like, they fucking shoved Batman v Superman and Suicide Squad down our throats, and those movies sucked. So, like, I was really worried that Wonder Woman was going to be terrible. But now I'm wondering if maybe this is a, a similar success story where they're like, well, no one gives a shit about Aquaman, so you can make your Aquaman movie and what the fuck ever. Yeah, we'll see you in fucking two years. And maybe they actually left them the fuck alone and they got something halfway decent out of it. I mean, Zack Snyder's mitts aren't on it, right? So that's, that's a good sign. Well, my, my position has always been that uh, Wonder Woman was the first film of the DC Cinematic Universe that uh, was from the Jeff Johns era, whereas Justice League was still a holdover from the Zack Snyder era. I imagine Aquaman is going to be in the same vein as Wonder Woman in terms of the regime behind it. And I think there's a really plausible chance that it'll be good. It's also probably in the... Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just the, I, I imagine the early screenings aren't a misnomer. I'm inclined to agree. Go ahead, Marco. No, I was... Yeah, I mean, I'm also inclined to agree. I think uh, we saw... the DC has had the time to reflect and be like, okay... Oh, oh, I mean, hopefully they have that. Okay, this is where we went wrong, and this is what we should be doing. So I expect this movie to be better. It's gonna be a. F- I, I I think it's gonna be better. I think it's gonna be a, a fun movie, but it's uh, it's not gonna be anything super quality. It's not gonna be uh It's not gonna be a Wonder Woman, but it is gonna be better than whatever they threw at us before. So I I I have hope for this. I do too. Yeah, I wonder if it won't be helped out by the fact that Aquaman is like in the same way that Wonder Woman was. Like, you know, we talked about it in the kind of Wonder Woman special that we did um, around the movie. We had a couple that you should go check out. They were good content. Um, Where we kind of talked about one of the challenges for Wonder Woman seems to be that there isn't really like a quote unquote definitive take on the character. And, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, DC guys, but I feel like Aquaman at least has the same perception whether or not that's actually true. Um, I feel like Aquaman and like the public eye is like kind of a punchline. And a lot of people aren't necessarily familiar with like the Peter David imp- interpretation of him where he's like more grizzly and badass or whatever. So like, I wonder if that coupled with the fact that people really like 
um, I literally, I want to say Roman Reigns, but it's Jason Momoa. Um, <laughs> sorry, I like literally couldn't think of anything else but Roman Reigns for a second there. Um, Neither can Vince McMahon. <laughs> yeah, uh, I I wonder if if that recipe of things works in the same way it did for Wonder Woman, where people are willing to go and, and check out this take on the character and learn about this new character and a new, or not new character, but you know what I'm saying, a character that they're less familiar with and that they don't have that level of expectation or baggage that they do for somebody like Batman or Superman, you know, where you're not going to point and be like, this isn't, this, they didn't get Superman right, you know, because it's like, you probably don't know what Superman's supposed to, or Aquaman is supposed to be like unless you're a DC fan. Yeah, that's, that's, the, the thing is, there's truth to that, but at the same time, you mentioned that the public perception of Aquaman is that he is a uh, joke character, which I think could also backfire on a film like this because mm-hmm. people don't take him seriously. Well, I mean, I don't know. I feel uh, I feel like Jeff, the way Jeff Johns executed it in, in his run where he, he made him the butt of the joke, but he made it because they're trying to move away from that perception. I, I think if they approach it in a similar way – We've seen it done in the past. I think that it it can be done and it can be done well. Well, also keep in mind, right, that people have a different perception of this Aquaman because it is Jason Momoa because mm-hmm. right, Justice right. played him totally differently than he's played in the comics. He's it's not even sexy. The same, not even the same character. <laughs> uh, I don't see any reason why people would have a perception of him as being a joke because the films haven't treated him that way. Mm-hmm. And he's Jason Momoa, who he was on Game of Thrones, so people know him from that as well. Yeah. 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 So. Yeah. And I mean, like, you know, he's like a fucking, like, badass sex symbol. So it's like, I don't necessarily know that he's going to be in that same. I don't know that, that it runs that risk, you know, of, of right. him being like the lame, clean cut Aquaman who talks to fish. Well, I'm sorry to take a little steam out from Sean here, who usually announces the news, but since we're in the news <laughs> segment, uh, apparently Vincent K. McMahon has been buying out movie theaters to see Aquaman. He's buying out movie theaters across the nation to take WWE superstars to see Aquaman. <laughs> <laughs> Watch Roman. God damn. <laughs> I wish Vince McMahon would buy you, like. <laughs> that'd, be, uh, that'd be really funny, actually. I want them to turn Phil into a jobber, so he just goes on Raw every week and just gets the shit kicked out of him. I want to see you put through a table weekly. <laughs> He'll probably pay me really well to do that. <laughs> probably. It's a new show. It's to be released in May. <laughs> so, uh, DC Comics announced several cancellations this week uh, to take place over the next couple of months. Uh, Some fan favorite titles will be going away. Um, So Batgirl and Birds of Prey, uh, sorry, Batgirl and the Birds of Prey and Super Sons are going to be going away in May. Uh, Supergirl and Justice League of America and Trinity all going away in April. Um, Steve Orlando is the writer on both Justice League and and Supergirl, Justice League of America, that is. And so both of his titles are getting shuttered. Um, that sucks. Yeah. DC Comics Bombshells United is also going to be ending. Uh, and the writer Margaret Bennett, or Margaret Bennett um, announced that via Twitter. That's kind of surprising. I always, I thought, 
I got the impression that that book was very successful. It is. Oh, sorry. No, go ahead. No, that was it. it no, it, it it has been and and it is. Um, but I, I and I think she explained it in a, one of she because I remember she made a post about it. I didn't read it, but she sort of explains where, um, at least from the comments, why the decision was. Um, but it it had been very popular. I know it was one of the best sellers at my local comic store. So. Mm. Well, and I also just, I know I've seen the, like, DC bombshells themselves, like, everywhere. Like, that book is not old, but, like, there's a ton of, like, DC bombshell, like, Funko Pops and, like, you know, T-shirts and, like, just merchandise. So I very much got the impression that they saw that as something that was big for them. So I'm kind of surprised to see that on the chopping block. Well, the bombshells, like, sort of branding is Uh older than the comic. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah, because like the, the book only came out last year, right? Or is it two years ago? They've been yeah, they've been using that for several years. Okay. Uh, for for their the female superheroes. So yeah, that like pinups moniker. Yeah. Top, exactly. Yeah. 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 Okay. Cool. All right. Well, that makes sense then. Um, Titans and Teen Titans are also rumored to be on the chopping block. Wow. Uh, so that's a lot of sweeping changes. But one of the things that I noticed that makes a lot of sense here is that for the most part, these fall into um, the Superman line of books and the Justice League line of books. And obviously there are sweeping changes coming to both of those lines really soon um, because Brian Michael Bendis is coming in on Superman and Scott Snyder is coming in on Justice League. So th- this is probably sort of making space for that No Justice event, making space for the, the arrival of both of those creators. And then also, James Tinian is leaving Detective Comics. He's been on that book forever. Wow. So that's pretty uh, huge as well. Yeah, there's um, big shakeups. Yeah, some major shakeups over at DC Comics. And some of it's unfortunate. Some of it makes sense to me. But, uh, you know, sometimes you got to trim the fat. And... Um, I know that a lot of these books are actually popular. Super Sons in particular. A lot of people really like that book. Yeah, I saw a lot of people really upset about the end of that book. But we are we are getting that uh, that young reader imprint real soon that's going to have the Super Sons graphic novel. So That's good. That's good. At least they'll get to – they'll continue on somewhere. Um, that's a good observation, Sean, the thing about, about – why these things are getting shaken up. And I, I imagine some of these books will probably come back in a different shape once that status quo is reset. Cause I was going to say like, isn't like, like why do they have to end like, you know, Supergirl? Cause they're switching up Superman, but it's like, well, if Bendis wants to use her or something or like, you know, I know he said that there's going to be that angle of like, you know, like trying to flesh out the extended cast a little bit. And it's like, I wonder if this is just kind of like, let's, bring everything in so that we can kind of set up the status quo again and then we'll you know bring those books back probably with new creative teams unfortunately but it's always a shame when books that people are really interested in and, and like to follow get get the chopping block or when a character you like as an author you don't like writing said character what did you just say or that was a m- when a character you like has an author writing said character that you don't like when an author has a character when writing, a- <laughs> no, no. When a wait, when a wait, huh? When a character has an author, I a stroke. That you 
don't like. Spicy hot takes, Phil. When a character you like is written by an author you don't like. Gotcha. I agree. agree. Third time's the charm, buddy. (laughs) And what was the point you were making by saying that? (laughs) Uh, I'm talking about Bendis holding characters hostage. Ah, got you. Um, I mean, Supergirl will be back, man. She always finds her way. That's true. It just sucks for Steve Orlando. Because he had two books, they're both gone. That really sucks. Hopefully they put him on something else. You know, like give him another fucking job in the meantime. I'm sure they will. All right, so uh, to close out with our main topic for today, we're going to be talking about the Image Expo 2018 announcements. Woo! Or as we like to call it, the Pete and Marco segment. <laughs> Excuse me, I love Image as well. Yeah, Sean's an avid reader. Yeah. Yes. I just don't, I don't make it my brand. You know, I'm not putting it in people's faces like, hey, I'm cool. I don't read mainstream comics. I only read Image. I only read Black Mass. You know, that's Get not my brand. fucking dunked on. Pete, you're not going to rebuttal? They're talking about you. I'm not talking about either one of you guys, actually. Um, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's Kale. Kale, are you listening to this? <laughs> Kale probably reads... <laughs> Whatever, never mind. <laughs> um, but no, in all seriousness, uh, Image made a ton of huge announcements, and I thought that there was no better way to acknowledge them and commemorate what they're doing and what their plans are for the year than to really dive in and look at these 21 book announcements. That shit is crazy. Yeah. 21. And uh, several websites have been good enough to put them all together, compile them all in one place. Uh, Bleeding Cool, definitely one of those. Um, And there are so many, so I just want to jump into these. Uh, We may not get to all of them, but I do want to highlight some of the ones that are particularly exciting. And, of course, if there are any that I don't get to that you guys are really into, then just let me know. And we'll talk about them. I can't believe there was 18 Saga spinoffs. <laughs> <laughs> My God. You know what? I'd read them all. <laughs> uh, so the first book up is Blackbird by Sam Humphre- Humphreys and Jen Bartel. So Sam Humphreys, is, you know, he's done a lot of stuff both at Marvel and DC. Uh, so now he's sort of turning his eye over to Image uh, once again, and he's going to be working on Blackbird with Jen Bartel. Uh, and the description is a modern fantasy story best described as Harry Potter meets Riverdale. It follows a young woman named Nina who discovers a neon lit world of magic masters in Los Angeles. Now they've kidnapped her sister and Nina is the only one who can save her. Sam Humphrey says of this series, Blackbird is a labor of love, a coming of age story, and a and beautiful people doing insane things with magic. This actually sounds really cool. Yeah, right? Like, fuck yeah, yeah that's dude. neat. That's an elevator Compar- pitch if I ever heard one. Yeah, if you're going to compare it to Riverdale, sold. <laughs> you piqued my interest at Harry Potter. You sold me at Riverdale. And that's when you lost me. Sexy teens doing magic? I'm in. 
And the, the cover art is really nice. Uh, really, really nice. I, I think this book looks great. The only problem for me, to be really honest, is that I'm not a fan of Sam Humphreys. Uh, he took the ultimate, the ultimate series that Jonathan Hickman was writing. He took it over when Jonathan Hickman had to go, uh, do some other stuff. And that book was set up to have an epic ending. And Sam Humphreys completely ruined it. Mm. Uh, and after that, I wanted nothing to do with him forever. Uh, so <laughs> that being said, I may pick this up. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's like it, it's tough to gauge with stuff like that because it's like, you know, uh, taking over somebody else's book, a team book, no less, a superhero book. It's such a different flavor. So maybe this one will do it for you. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sold on the premise. I'm sold on the premise. I'm sold on the art. And uh, to buy a number one, I mean, you know. Yeah, what what else has Jen Bartel done? That name is also super familiar to me. Yeah. Um, oh, man. She did. Oh, actually, no. I think I might be thinking of Barbara. You know Barbary. I'll, I'll, I'll look it up. You just move along, Sean. Go ahead. Take us to the next one. Josie and the Pussycats. That's what I knew. Okay. Yep. I remember, I think, maybe editing some reviews of that or something like that. I remember hearing that name tossed around quite a bit. So then we've got an announcement of uh, Rob Liefeld's Blood Strike. Uh, Friend so of the show. <laughs> Friend of the show, Rob Liefeld. <laughs> Fun fact, though, our, our best performing interview, right? Uh, maybe. Uh, Actually, yeah, I think I think, I think the Dirk Manning. Um, oh, the twisted. Yeah, the twisted. with twisted, yeah, that yeah. one has surpassed it now. But yeah, it's up there. It's a good one. Phil did a good job. You should go check that out. Friend of the show. Hey, I will say, Rob Liefeld. Say what you will about him. He was very nice to us. Very kind. Yeah, nice guy. Very nice guy. No issues with him as a person. Uh, so, Mikel Fife is uh, doing everything with this book. He's going to be Michael Fife. Oh, it's Michael. There's no A there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's but it's yeah. Okay. Uh, so he's doing the story, <laughs> the art, and the cover. Um, so and, what is Rob uh, Liefeld doing? Nothing. It's just his creation. Oh, okay. So it's just Rob Liefeld. That's the title is Rob Liefeld's. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> he's a brand, baby. No, I mean, it makes sense. He did create uh, all those characters. I don't know if you guys are seeing this, but this Bloodstrike character or one of the characters in this looks Exactly like Cable, like they didn't even try. Like he's oh like Cable. He looks exactly like he has. If I swear, if you take an image of Cable from 1990 whatever and put it next to this, it's the same character, down to where the patches are. Like you know, how, like it's the the same guns, the same like patches for the grenades. This everything is the same. That's fucking this great. is crazy. <laughs> one of these characters looks like Wolverine. Another one <laughs> of these characters looks like Spiral. This is the X Men. I mean, that's like that's kind of what he did. Like when he went to Images, just like <laughs> what if I just did the same thing but with different names. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I mean, Spawn looks kind of a lot like Venom. So Spawn it's like is you, Venom. Like you know, unreal. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Front of the show. Yeah, so. the, the, if, looking at the, um, <laughs> what is it? Bloodstrike Brutalists. Yeah. The last guy, it literally just looks like Wolverine. Like in yeah. a white yeah. suit. Like yeah. it's like exactly Wolverine. the same. 
Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, <laughs> so in Michael Fife's Bloodstrike Brutalist, the creator of the indie hit Copra shines a light on Image's most extreme series and its groundbreaking carnage. Whether it's the origin of our favorite undead strike force or solving the trail of mysteries that plague them, this miniseries picks up where the original title left off while introducing the concept to a new audience. Celebrate Bloodstrike's Take No Prisoners legacy by looking forward as only the new wave of comic artists can. Don't, quote-unquote, rub the blood, drown in it. That's so bad. <laughs> a, a great tagline. Drown in the blood. Like, Damn straight. Right. <laughs> 90s are back, baby. Like, I know I know that we have a real nostalgia for the 90s right now, like, in our culture, but, like, the comics. Mm. <laughs> but quick question, though. Who rubs blood? It says don't rub the blood. Don't rub the blood. Who's busy <laughs> rubbing blood? I like how they put Weirdos. it in quotes too. Like, don't quote rub the blood. Like, is that like a common like a expression? Thing. <laughs> is that a thing that people say? Yeah, yeah. You act like it's the people don't say. Gotta rub the blood. Uh, so moving right along, uh, there were two big announcements from Christopher Sabella, actually. Uh, That's right, friend of the show who's been on the show. Uh, we interviewed him, and that was a great time. Uh, it's our first big guest. It's a good episode. Yeah. A classic okay, defender out. of Phil. He well, he did. He sided he was, with yeah. Phil. Mm-hmm. So he announced a book called Crowded by uh, Christopher Sabella, Ted Brandt, Rose, Rose Steen, and Triona Farrell. Maybe, maybe it's Stein. And Triona Farrell. Uh, so this looks pretty interesting. Um, in Crowded, a platform called Reaper allows anyone to crowdfund assassination attempts. The parody ignites when protagonist Charlie Ellison is forced to fend off a wave of hitmen with the help of a low-rate bodyguard. So it's kind of like playing off of, you know, where we are with apps and, you know, internet grudges and everything like that. And it's just kind of a parody series. It looks like a lot of fun, though. Yeah, I um, there's not a lot of art. To it, like we saw a lot more promotional stuff for some of the other series, but what we what we do see here looks looks good. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely am a big fan of Sabella's stuff. Um, I, I haven't read all of his stuff, but what I have, uh, I've I've enjoyed quite a bit. So I'm definitely um, this sounds fun. You know, it's another like mm-hmm. this is why I come to Image is like you get something different there, and like this is a a unique premise. It's a unique story. You know, I've never heard of or read anything like this so sure yeah so uh could be good uh the other um, we're gonna have uh we're gonna have a little little special about this about this book coming up sometime in march so keep your eyes peeled for that one well you can do make a half-assed announcement if we're gonna say it then let's say it fine fine yeah we're gonna have ted and roe on the show on um the second week of March. So we'll, we'll have them on on that. I think it's what? the 10th. So you guys will get it for the, um, what episode is that? Mm, 72. Yeah, yeah, 72. The one that goes up on the uh, 13th. 69.4. So, or no, the 12th. Sorry. Yeah, so March 12th. Tune in. We'll have uh, Roan Ted on the show to talk about the book. Nice. Awesome. Uh, so the other book that Christopher Sabella announced was one with Joshua Hickson. 
and this is called Shanghai Red. So Christopher Sabella and Joshua Hickson team up for a turn-of-the-century revenge thriller, Shanghai Red, a story that stretches from the deck of a boat outside Shanghai to the bleak streets and the secret tunnels beneath them of Portland, Oregon, a violent journey of vengeance, identity, and family. Chris had this to say about about the book. Josh and I have been working on this book for a few years now in secret, just waiting for the chance to unleash it on readers, and we're kind of freaking out that this is the thing we've put so much time into and sweat into is really re- is really real and really good. I can't believe he didn't give us the inside scoop. <laughs> I know, right? The, the cover and the art looks really nice. Really, really nice. So, um... That's that's something that's definitely going to be on my radar, and it's not too far off coming out in June of twenty. Yeah, that looks specifically great. the first cover with that ship is like fucking awesome. Like the art here, like the just the use of of the red, the colors. for these covers is like striking as fuck. Like so, yeah, the, the I'm with, super into this with the body decomposing in the tub, like. Uh, we'll we'll have we'll have all this shit in the in the links below for the episode, so you can look at this too, listeners. But yeah, please take a look at the art on the covers for the Shanghai Red. A R S go is it? Yeah, absolutely, man. And uh, I mean, to hear that this is like you know a passion project that's been brewing for like three years, like that's the shit I want to read. You know, like that's what makes Image so cool. Is like that's the place to do that book. So like yeah, like let's fucking go, man. Absolutely. And it, it has a pirate ship, and you know how much Sean loves pirates. <laughs> <laughs> if if the name wasn't Christopher Sabella, I would dude, pass. honestly, that is like a fucking huge nod to his talent. It is <laughs> that you're willing to read this book about pirates. <laughs> He's really good. What can I say? Uh, Dead Guy Fan Club by Annie Wu. Is next up. This looks Uh, cool too. In this new series, the founders of a Rockstars fan club reunite in adulthood to investigate the suspicious death of their hero and the involvement of an unhinged member of their old flock. Wu said of the book, I'm thrilled to be writing and illustrating a new series. I can't wait to share this weird little black comedy with everyone. This looks cool. It's so stylish. So good. Yeah. And he was really good. She knocks stuff out of the park all the time. I just, you know, I'm a I'm a sucker for a good use of color. And like the the cover is super striking. Both of the ones that, that we see here are super striking. Like the use of pinks in like the the like chapter one image, like mm, yeah, I'm fucking in for this one. Looks awesome. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I love the premise too. I think it's really unique. Yeah. Cool idea. Yeah, it's certainly different. Uh, so now let's we're gonna jump around just a little bit. Uh, this this book I am really excited about, "Death or Glory" by mm. Rick Remender and Bengal. I knew you're gonna be yep. all about that book. This is yeah, Rick Remender is one of my favorite writers of anything of all time. I think he's a genius, brilliant creator, and I am super excited for. Yet another series from him. So, <clears throat> uh, Rick Remender teams up with brilliant French French 
superstar artist Bengal to bring fans a high-speed convoy crime thriller rocketing across the American West that examines our dwindling freedoms and the price paid by those who fight for an untethered life on the open road. Meet Glory, raised free in a convoy off the grid amid the last men and women truckers fighting automation to continue living the American mythology of the open road. Now, in order to pay for her for her beloved dying father's surgery, Glory has three days to pull off a a four dangerous cross country heists with mob killers, crooked cops, and a psycho ex husband, all out to bring her in or die trying. Sounds awesome, yeah, dude! Like that is the sexiest pitch I've ever heard. Are you kidding me? I love it. This is this is the one I am most looking forward to seeing. Yeah, man, this is this art is insane. I I love. I've never heard of Bengal before, um, but this Neither shit is fucking awesome. Just this main character. What's her name again? Um, Glory. 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 Death or Glory. Right. Um, yeah, she's just she's gorgeous. I I love her character design. Yeah. This is this is beautiful stuff. Mm-hmm. This is like, oh my goodness. Um, Rick like Remender. this one shot of this garage. Just yeah. like the lighting and stuff is, it's so good. Yeah. Um, so can't wait for that. That's May of 2018. So not far off at all. And I will be, I will be right there. But believe it or not, that is not the book I am most excited about. The book I am most excited about is Echo Lands. Really? Yes. By J.H. Williams and it Hayden looks Blackman. sick. Uh huh. J.H. Williams yes, and Hayden Blackman may be. No, they definitely are in my top five uh, tandems in comics. Their huh. run on Batwoman was absolutely perfect. A- amazing on every single level. J.H. Williams is such an insanely brilliant artist. Mm-hmm, uh, Hayden mm-hmm. Blackman, he his scripts are always great. I loved him on Elektra. Uh, in addition to Batwoman, he, he some of the stuff he's done, I just I just think he's fantastic. Uh, and so they're teaming up with Dave Stewart on colors and Todd yep. Klein on letters um, for what's going to be a sort of genre mashup uh, called Echo Lands, a tale where the last war on Earth starts with Hope's sticky fingers. Echo Lands has been in development for years, bubbling in the background as we worked on other projects. That's coming from Hayden Blackman. But it's a world and a cast of characters that has always drawn us back, and we're so grateful to be able to finally get the book out to the world. On a world that has forgotten its own history, the key to excavating the past is in the hands of a young thief who must escape a vengeful wizard and his unstoppable golem. And it has no release dates, just coming soon. But Marco, you seem excited too, man. What's your take? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I saw it, and I saw the creative team. I was like, yep, it's old. Like the the art looks fantastic. I know I loved Williams on um, uh, Overture. Like he's he's bananas, and I'm excited for this. Yeah, sounds cool as shit. Yeah, this creative team. You don't even need to tell me what the book is, man. You tell me those two guys. Like I'm, I'm there. there. <laughs> yep. Yep. The um, I, I wasn't familiar with these two before this, so I, I can't speak to that. But that that last paragraph uh, is definitely got me interested. Yeah, like I, I like the idea of um, this. It's like a theme in Horizon that like really stuck out to me. It's like I really like um, 
I like worlds where there's like an old, like the old ones, like an old history that's been forgotten and like trying to recover that. Lore. You know, yeah, right. Like that's, that is a thing in world building that really resonates with me is, is good lore. And um, this sounds interesting. And like, you know, the idea of like, you know, the young thief trying to run away from a wizard, like, okay, cool. Yeah. Like, I I always could feel like we need more fantasy comics. So the fact that this is like the second one on this list that sticks out to me is like, all right, cool. Let's do this shit. I love me some swords and sorcery. Yeah. Absolutely. So Image has got some good ass shit. Yeah. I mean, and we're not even through this whole list. There's yeah, like a third of the way through. Like, <laughs> not several even. Others, and I'm, I'm simply going to, you know, I'm bouncing around for the sake of our time, but like, all of these are worth a look. Like, so many of these are really cool. The next one I'm about to talk about looks awesome. Uh, Juke Joint by T. Franklin and Maria Nguyen. I'm really into this as well. Um, So, Juke Joint is a five-issue time period horror miniseries about a brothel slash jazz club exposing the social evils of racism, rape, domestic violence, and equality. Because of its subject matter, Juke Joint is sent to launch in October 2018 in time for Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Franklin and Nguyen will work with Image Comics on coordinating special charity variants to benefit Joyful Heart, a nonprofit founded by Mariska Hargitay, which places focus on healing, education, and advocacy. If you recognize the name of Mariska Hargitay, that's because she is on uh, Law & Order SVU. Um, so, and she's been a big advocate of, uh, domestic violence awareness. That's a huge thing for her. So, uh, no surprises that they're involved with that. She, that they're involved with that charity and there's some synchronicity here. That's really cool. Uh, yeah. Uh, <clears throat> image is a lot of that stuff. Uh, for, um, I remember, I think last year for women's month, they did, they donated, uh, to, oh man, Pete, do you remember what charity? They donated to last year. I don't, but I feel like they, they do this every year. Yeah, they they raise money for a bunch of different causes and different events, and uh, it's awesome. Like th- this sort of stuff is just one of the reasons why. One of the reasons why uh, image is awesome. They, they just they do these things and they're philanthropical, but they're also artistic. Yeah, they try to give back. Yeah, yeah, and I just love the idea of like a sort of swanky jazz club that has some kind of brothel going on and all all the interesting things that could happen there and what this book might have to say on the topics that um that were mentioned earlier i'm i'm definitely going to be picking that up yeah man i mean like i i have a really romantic um view of that period like i really uh i like i study jazz history a lot and there's just like something about that period that has always really appealed to me um, in, in storytelling settings. And I think there are a lot of stories set in that era that, um, don't always focus. They focus more on like kind of the, um, the romantic aspects of it than some of the not so savory bits. So having a book that is more focused on, um, I guess maybe portraying that time period in a more realistic sense mm-hmm. is, uh, something that's like very attractive to me for sure. Reminds me of, um, uh, like some, maybe something akin to like Boardwalk Empire, mm. you know, which would be cool. Obviously, brothels are where Marco and I have made most of our mistakes with one another. What? Yeah. <coughs> what? Oh, what? Nah. Mm, so, Move on. <laughs> next up, 
There were five. Yeah, five. <laughs> Count them. Five. Oh, five saga <laughs> spinoffs. My bad. No. <laughs> five spawn announcements. <laughs> spawn. Which, like, There's are, spawning right. five spawn. Spawn has spawned um, some re- spinoffs. <laughs> so. <laughs> Just, like, a lot. It's so much. <laughs> uh, there is a Spawn movie coming soon, as we know. Soon TM, I guess. Uh, and they want to put out Spawn books to build hype and buzz. And so there are five titles. Um, and Todd McFarlane announced them all. So we're getting Medieval Spawn and Witchblade crossover miniseries. Uh, so this may is we're going to see a, a reteaming of two of Image's most popular original characters. The new miniseries is written by Brian Holguin with art by Brian Haberlin with 32 full pages of story and art and will also feature a special augmented reality cover for only $2.99. That's the most 90s thing I've ever heard. <laughs> Not like AR as a thing, but the fact that they're putting an oh, AR cover say. in it, you know, like it's like, oh, it's like a crazy 3D cover. It's like, all right, okay. <laughs> uh, Spawn Kills Everyone 2, which is a miniseries. Uh, due to the wonderful success of the one shot, Todd McFarlane is creating, along with Will Robson, a four part miniseries that has our childish Spawn giving birth to hundreds of smaller Spawn babies who take his kill list and try to help out their new father. That sounds like Todd McFarlane was on crack <laughs> and developed a, an idea for a new series. Yeah, fair. All right. Okay. You say All right, Todd I McFarlane. Mean, uh, don't dispute it. It completely apes the Deadpool kills everyone yeah. thing that Marvel yeah. does. Right. Uh, which, Only it's you know, less whatever. interesting. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's le- way less interesting. Uh, and then the idea of a child spawn giving birth to babies, uh, whatever. Not not um, for me. The only one of these that interested me is the following one, which is Misery. It's going to be a new ongoing monthly series, and this is the sort of uh, pitch. In the wake of the Me Too, the hashtag Me Too scandals, arises a teenage hero who is tired of being pushed around and abused by the actions of others. This new character, Misery, will help out those innocent people who have been victimized by the evil that has spread across the entire planet. Stories will go global as Misery tries to discover exactly how to control her powers and how to make others feel her dot 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 misery. Nope. Sorry. All right. Uh, It's just like... I don't know, dude. Like, I just kind of feel like Spawn's time has passed. Like, this like this kind of book just doesn't appeal to me anymore. Like, and maybe it hasn't passed. Maybe it's just for me. <laughs> sure, That's why it's misery. It's not Spawn. No, I, yeah, character. I know. But, like, come on. Her, Spread her power is to make people – she's going to make people feel her misery. It's like, come on. I well, I, I don't know that that's her power. I think what they mean by that is she's going to beat she's them gonna, up and make her feel – Right. She's going to make them miserable with her powers. I got it. It's just like – I don't know, dude. It just seems very edgy. It, feel, it feels very 90s edgelord and it's just like, you know, I, I was really into Spawn when I was like 16. So we also got the announcement that the Spawn ongoing will continue to be ongoing. Uh, and that Todd McFarlane will be writing uh, the movie or writing. He, wait, this is confusing. <laughs> it says it's going to tie into the upcoming right. movie that right. he's making. It's tying into the movie. 
that McFarlane is making. Huh. So, wonderful. Uh, and then the last piece of that announcement is that Sam and Twitch will get their own book. Sam and Twitch True Detectives, an eight-part miniseries. Um, Detective Twitch Williams will be the main focus in the new full-length film about to go into production. And he will be introduced to a whole new audience with his appearance in the Spawn film. All eight issues have already been completed and will be released close to the film's announcement and trailers. Much like The Walking Dead, new viewers will be drawn to the stories and characters they will be seeing on the big screen and also a potential new TV series. That, that seems that seems like a bold claim. <laughs> yeah, that was a lot. A lot of nothing. It's like, um, there's literally like 75% of that paragraph is how this book exists. Because you'll like it because there's a movie coming out. It's like, no, that's not that's not much like The Walking Dead. The Walking Dead was a book that got adapted and people liked it. And then they started reading the book. It's not the same thing at all. It's also like, hey, guys, this is guaranteed to happen. This is what's going to happen. Just like The Walking Dead. And there's going to be a potential TV series. It's going to happen because you're going to like it so much. You're going to like this movie so much. Also, don't try to hype me on a thing that you don't know. A potential TV. It's like you don't even know if it's going to exist. Also, real quick, to just walk this back again and further criticize this bullshit comparison. It, it, this would be akin to The Walking Dead if instead of making The Walking Dead TV show, they made a spinoff. Of The Walking Dead as a TV show. It's like, you're telling me, it's like, oh, this is all about these side characters. It's not even about Spawn. You know, it's like, it's not. (laughs) No. It's like, oh, hey, you like The Walking Dead, right? You'll love The Governor Show. But we never got The Walking Dead. It's like, get out of here. Get out of here. Tom McFarlane, what are you doing? (laughs) So, uh, we also got the announcement that uh, Netflix's Malar World titles will actually be a part of Image, which I didn't know. Me neither. Yeah, so that's actually really interesting. And of course, we know that uh, that's kicking off with the Magic Order. We talked about that already. Uh, The only interesting part of this announcement that's new is that Image has these books. So these are are the books that are going to be adapted for film or television on Netflix. Yeah, but the comics will come out here first. Right. Oh, okay. So... It's weird. It's weird. I definitely got the impression that Netflix was going to, like, have their own... Imprint or something. Yeah, but, like, this makes way more sense. Like, why the fuck... Yeah. You know, like, why why not do it through Image, who has the resources and, like, that... that like, they're in that world. Like, why should Netflix, like, start a publishing arm when what they really want is the movies and the TV shows? You know, like, fuck it. I'm sure they're still getting a percentage of it or whatever. So the book that I wanted to end on is called What's the Furthest Place from Here? Whoa. Yep. By Matthew Rosenberg and Tyler Boss. Yep. This is the same creative team behind the book that everyone talks about, which is Four Kids Walk Into a Bank. And they are coming over to Image for their new series, What's the Furthest Place from Here? Uh, Rosenberg, Matthew Rosenberg, who I'm a fan of, had the following to say about this new title. I'm really excited to be making my Image Comics debut with a book that is very personal to me, and I'm thrilled to do it with Tyler, who I can barely tolerate as a person, but as a brilliant artist and collaborator. Together, we're working (laughs) to make a book that we hope will impact people the same way so many of our favorite comics have impacted us over the years. 
What's the Furthest Place from Here tells the story of a gang of young punks getting lost in the wasteland of America. After their youngest member disappears, their quest to find her may put them in a fight to survive against the most deadly terrain, the most dangerous gangs, and maybe even each other. Or maybe not. Either way, they are going to find out how the world ended. So I'm here really, for it. Yeah, that's really cool. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, this creative team is exciting, but like that pitch is like, yeah, come on. If it's a book about a couple of young punks, you could I'll tell you that I'm going to show up for it. yeah fair Uh, uh, sounds pretty dope actually so let's do it to you guys have you guys read four kids i've heard i own it but i have uh, not read it yet i I, I read the first issue um um mark bouchard gave it to me i really enjoyed it i just never followed up on it so it's it's comics quality up until like october it was really hard to like find it like, I had been interested in it since it started, but I kind of, like, missed the boat, and my my LCS wasn't carrying it at that time because they didn't do Black Mask stuff yet. So, like, until they did that trade, it was pretty hard to come by. Mm. Um, this is, like, probably my second most hype. Um, I'm sorry. This is the book I am the second most excited for. That's what I was trying to say. Well, what's your what, what book are you most excited for? Um, Ooh, I can guess. Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like you could guess. Right, Oblivion song, yeah, like Oblivion song. Oh, I know we yeah. already talked about that one, yeah. um, at, at because of Comic Con and everything, but like it's like imminent now, like it's out in like two weeks. It's out on the seventh, so I'm super excited for that one. But yeah, in terms of like new announcements, this is my number one. Click you're lying. You're lying. <laughs> Your most anticipated book is uh, Spawn Murders the World. <laughs> Uh, it's actually misery. Um, no, but seriously, let's get back to the the book at hand. This this sounds really cool. This this definitely sounds like um, like very very up my alley. And like I, I like how many there's like three books on this list that are like the world's ended and we got to take a road trip to find ourselves. And I'm like that's a theme I think I like really like in literature. <laughs> so. I'm about it, man. This sounds great. Yeah, I'm. I mean, just to to talk about like the books overall. Um, I think that the offerings from Image right now, what they have slated, they look incredible. Um, mm-hmm. the pictures are are for the most part pretty unique. I mean, obviously, Pete highlighted the fact that there are some there is some overlap, but what we know is that there isn't overlap because there's a mandate. We know that there's not overlap because editorial is saying this is what's hot right now. You have to tell stories about this. This is just what these creators want to do, you know? And it just so happens that they're all having similar ideas or those ones are having similar ideas at the same time. But for 21 of these books, for the most part, you're looking at unique stuff from some of the top creators in the entire industry. And they're doing these things that they cannot do at Marvel or DC, which is what makes Image such a necessary force in the industry and the fact that the image expo got so much exposure so much top talent this year um so many huge announcements it really showcases that there's a hunger for this you know absolutely yeah do you um yeah for you guys like sean and marco specifically since you guys pay close attention to image do you feel like this year or like this slate of announcements um 
like, I guess let me answer my own question and then ask it to you. I feel like this is the biggest set of announcements that they've had in a long time. Like, this feels like akin to, I want to say it was like 2014. It might have been 2013. Like, where, like, I feel like we really saw Image kind of have that coming out party and really, like, launch a bunch of new series from really key talent. And, like, a lot of the books that we think of now as kind of, like, some of the pillars of Image, like, launched around that time. And I wonder if, like, this batch isn't going to um, give us another really hot year or so for Image where there is all this new shit that people are excited about while the stuff that they were reading is still, you know, ongoing for the most part. For me, I think back to when Rick Remender went exclusive with uh, with Image. I shouldn't say went exclusive. When he left Marvel yeah. and started writing primarily for image and none and not at all the big two that was really a turning point for me i'd already been reading image but him being my favorite writer at the time and one of my favorites ever uh him jumping ship like that was a huge no-brainer and i think he already had deadly class going on over there i think low had either just started or was about to come out I think um, I think Low started at that time because I remember picking up Low at around the time I'm talking about. Yeah, so like that was the real turning point for me. And then now, I mean, like they have so many great things that they're doing, but they're just kind of they've just been happening, right? There haven't been yeah. like blockbuster announcements like this. This is massive, and I think you're right. I think this is another opportunity for people who may not pay attention to image to see one of their favorite creators on this list and go oh matthew rosenberg okay well he did kingpin or he did phoenix resurrection i want to see what other kind of stuff he does yeah and i feel like this is like that's similar to like you know what i was talking about was that era was i remember like that was around the time where like we saw fraction start up sex criminals you know like rat queen started around that time fucking east of west started around that time like there are so many image books that like when I think of like uh, or like fucking um, Wicked and the Divine was around that time. You know, like you said, low. I-, I feel like there are so many books that came out at that point. And not to say that the stuff that since then hasn't been as good. But I feel like you said that like, there hasn't been as much of a push or that like they haven't captured the public consciousness in the way that image did at that moment. And like this feels like another really big step forward. Yeah, I I, I agree. Um, I feel like this is a, a moment in time where there's been a, well, with the announcements we've seen, there's a large influx of talent that's come either come back or has continued and has new ideas. Yeah, like um, like the writer for Chew is on there with one of his He's new books. Two, like he, isn't he? he uh, I think it was just the one. It's, it's the writers on one. Farmland. Oh, the artist is on the other. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, like they, they came out of that and now they have their own stuff. So I, I think more so it's, um, to your point. Yeah. It, it's been like a wave of talent that came in during that era. Like the, or the, like the late 2010 through to like 20, like early to late 2014, 2015, like that block of time. Uh, and then since then it's been kind of like, you know, indie creators have come up and stuff but now this is again like where top tier talent has sort of dip are dipping their toes in either again or for the first time um and yeah i think this is just like another wave of creativity that we're gonna see and it's gonna explode um 
my only worry is and something that I've been worried about with image in the past and Pete, I know you've expressed it as the uh like potential for oversaturation and like there's a large number of books and that heavily impacts uh images offerings because I mean we all uh, all of these books look interesting, but what number can we real what number of these books will we realistically pick up? Yeah. If especially if we're interested in all of them. Like I'm I'm open to all of them, but I can't I read all that. Like that's that's I can't just add twenty two books to my pull list. Right. Or uh, excluding the five from spawn, but like whatever. Yeah. Like I can't I can't just do that. Yeah, well, I mean look, some of these are miniseries, right? They're not True. all ongoings. Uh, and some of them are for different people. Not every book on this list is for me. Uh, and I don't think that that's ever the expectation. You know, you don't... You, when when DC announces 52 new titles, you don't add 52 new titles to your pull list. You, you curate. Yeah. You pick the ones that are most interesting to you, and you put those on your plate. Uh, what's so great about this is that there are so many different things that can appeal to so many different readers. So if you, Marco, like, really like 10 of these... And they're, you know, rolling out over the course of the next year. Mm-hmm. And some of them are miniseries. Then you have a great opportunity to enjoy 10 new books, you know, um, that's not going to break your bank because they're spread out. And, yeah. and I, yeah, to me, that, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the key is how, how well are these books spread out? Because I think um, over the last few years, that oversaturation issue – not that I'd even necessarily call it an issue, you know, because like Image is doing great. Um, but I think for me as a fan, one of the things I really liked about that era of Image where I kind of jumped on that 2010 to 2015 era, um, one of the things I liked about Image was it was really easy to read everything. You know, like I, yes. I didn't read every single thing from all the imprints. Like I wasn't necessarily reading everything that like Top Cow or whoever was putting out, but every like just image image book that came out, I picked up and I gave it a shot. And um, that was doable at that point. Granted, it's a good problem to have, right? Like the issue is that I still read a lot of those books. Some of them are still going and I can't just keep picking things up because you ha- there's a finite limit that you can fucking read. Um, or afford. So I think as long as these books are spread out well enough from the other stuff that I want to read, I will pick them up and I will give them a shot. And um, that's really cool. Like there's a lot to be excited here. Um, a, like a lot to be excited about here rather. Uh, and, you know, for someone who like definitely is primarily an image guy and, and gravitates more towards their stuff, like I'm just excited to have a lot of new fresh things to read. I think this really alienates Marco, though, who only likes superhero books. True. I mean, yeah, he can, like, I, he can I mean, read Bloodstrike. That's true. Yeah. And it's Michael Fife. I'm a fan of him. Copra. Like, yeah. Marco has Spawn. There's one, there's one book here who for me. Spawn. Uh, Phil, is any of this intriguing to you? Yeah. Yeah. I, I've, like, I've expressed interest. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I had to qualify that. I feel like that's a... That's a subtle dig. <laughs> um, I'll tell you, the... The Rick Remender one is the mo- the one I'm most intrigued by, at least. Yeah. So I mean, we'll. I'm sure we'll. <laughs> um, I'm sure we'll talk about these books in some form or fashion as they roll out. Uh, you know, we've been reading books on the show here. Um, 
not on the show, but reading, reviewing them on the show. So I'm sure some of these will catch our eye and we'll review them and let you guys know how they are. Um, but we really wanted to showcase and highlight image and what they're doing because, you know, we're all fans and, uh, more than that, we're fans of the industry. And so it's always cool to see something like this taking place. And, uh, we hope that it amounts to more readers for image and everybody else. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I think a healthy image is vital for the industry and, uh, the more market share that they can take away from the big two, I think is a good thing because, Image as a publisher is so important, but I also think that a lot of the smart moves we've seen from DC over the last couple of years are influenced by things that have been done in Image. You know, like mm-hmm. having the creator imprints like Young Animal and stuff like that and, and giving people more creative freedom uh, is can only benefit the comic book industry. And Image is definitely a trailblazer there. Wait till Image resets Preach. in eight months and does all new number yeah. ones. <laughs> Go away. <laughs> So, uh, hopefully you guys enjoyed that and hopefully you guys are interested in, in some of those books. And if you are, you can definitely let us know, um, and you can let us know about anything you were interested in that we talked about in this or any other episode of the comics pals. And you can write to us and let us know by hitting us up all over the place. We are on Apple podcast services where you can rate us while you're there. Uh, we are at the comics pals, wherever your social media is sold, uh, you can write to us at thecomicspals at gmail.com, where you can send your buy or sell random question of the week, or whatever you feel like sending our way. Uh, and of course, last but not least, we are on YouTube, where you can like the video, share with your friends, and subscribe to our channel for more hot fire content of this variety. Um, so with that, let's do some plugs, Pete. Cool. Thank you again for joining us here on another episode of the Comics Pals. If you guys want to catch more content from me, you can check out me and Sean on our sister show, The Video Game Pals, which if you're an audio listener, it posts Tuesdays on podcast platforms. And uh, if you're a YouTube person, we cut it out just like we do for the Comics Pals Monday through Thursday with all the like hottest, most exciting segments. And then uh, the full show goes up on Friday. So please go check that out if you're a gamer and you like what we do here. I'm sure you'll enjoy that show too. Um, and then you can also uh, find my writing over at CBR.com. Um, I'm, up until now, I've just been contributing to their list uh, desk. So um, you can go check out my, my most recent list, which is, uh, I think it's eight times that the Hulk was eaten by someone and seven times he ate someone else. Um, so if you're into Vore and the Hulk, go check that out, I guess. And, uh, um, while you're there, please like click on my author, um, tag at the top and you can go see, I've started writing list articles for them now as well. Those, uh, if you go just click on them, you know, it really helps me pay the bills, helps me, uh, get a little extra money in my pocket. Um, so if you could do that, I would greatly appreciate it. And then if you want to connect with me, uh, you can find me at loud underscore Pete on Twitter and Instagram. And then uh, remember, I'm also streaming now. So go uh, follow me at twitch.tv slash loud Pete. Um, right now, I'm generally streaming on like Fridays and Saturdays with Thompson from the Video Game Pals. So uh, go check it out. It's been a fun time. Awesome. Uh, Marco. Cool. Uh, you can uh, shut fi- up for a second, Marco. Uh, I'm Kale, and you can find me at Toto in Toe. That's T O T O T O T O T O T O T O T O. Sorry, I glitched for a second. Um, I am also working for Panels Publishing, uh, where I just wrote a children's book about a kiwi snowman. It's a snowman made out of kiwis because I live in uh, New Zealand. 
New Zealand. <laughs> <laughs> you definitely almost forgot. Oh my god. Um, um Toto and Toe, everybody. You, That's Kale. <laughs> uh you can find me at Mr. Marco Animoto on Instagram and Twitter. Um yeah, I'm pumped for all these image books. Uh if someone wants to reach out and like wants to read along, like read them. I'm uh, I'm up to pick up whatever book out of these, except for Spawn. And the Michael. Feisman, I would be maybe. down to commit to to reviewing all of the number ones. That's that's as far as I'm willing to go. <laughs> I would be down to commit to uh, producing the show off the air. That's what I'm going to commit to. We got to let the listeners get in on it, Sean. Uh, <laughs> Phil, uh, despite being dunked on by Sean a few minutes ago, uh, Dead Guy Fan Club looks pretty cool. Shanghai Red, um, uh, Death or Glory. I think there's a lot of really good shit here. Wait, that- what are you talking about? Plug yourself. I'm just saying. I'm talking about these. Co- Wait, with what? <laughs> <laughs> At Cyborg Bebop, Sean. That's right. <laughs> if you like dad bods and comic books, follow Phil at Cyborg Bebop. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, as for me, you can follow me on Twitter only at Sean Soapbox, where we can talk about whatever the hell you feel like talking about actually don't even talk to me on twitter man <laughs> oh my God. don't even talk to me on twitter man don't at me, bro. yeah i'm i just don't even want to hear it so with that we're the comics pal take care guys bye, bye. see you next see, week uh, a later gator take care guys that was my sean impression yeah i'm fucking done with your bullshit this week